Another thing is that they didn't preach about sheep. Now, they knew sheep inside out. They knew all about sheep and their nature and their ways and their character and their tendencies, but not a word about sheep. Nor did they preach about the great light which they saw, and that would be a phenomenon in itself, this wonderful light that shone around, but not a word about the light. Nor did they speak about their journey from the hillside where they were keeping sheep to the town and back again, not a word. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher, and I appreciate you joining with us as we minister the Lord's Word today. And we'll be looking at the faith of the shepherd preaching the newborn Christ. We have a hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And I want to just read to you about John Fellows, one of the best-known Baptist poet-songwriters. His hymn, Jesus, Mighty King of Zion, Thou alone our guide shall be, Thy commission we rely on, We would follow none but Thee. As an emblem of Thy passion, And Thy victory o'er the grave, We who know Thy great salvation, Are baptized beneath the wave. Fearless of the world's despising, We the ancient path pursue, Buried with our Lord and rising, To a life divinely new. John Fellows is par excellence the Baptist hymn writer. Altogether, he wrote 55 hymns on believers' baptism, some of which were well known in former days and often sung at baptismal services. Fellows was quite a voluminous writer. He wrote an elegy on the death of Whitfield and another on the death of Dr. Gill. Perhaps his most unusual work is his History of the Holy Bible, attempted in easy verse in four volumes. This begins, The great Jehovah held his throne in glory and in bliss unknown before he gave creation birth or spread the skies or formed the earth. John Fellows was no mean poet. All that is known of him is that he was a poor shoemaker like William Carey and that he probably lived first in Broomsgrove and later Birmingham, being a member of the particular Baptist churches there. His pastors at each place would have been Rosendale Valley men, James Butterworth, one of the four brothers who were all pastors, at Bromsgrove and James Turner, Cannon Street, Birmingham, followed by another man from the valley, Henry Taylor. This was the chapel where, soon after Fellow's death, the seraphic Pierce, Samuel Pierce, became minister. An interesting account of a baptism at Bradford-on-Avon in the mid-19th century shows how the baptismal hymns of John Fellows were widely used. The three verses are from his Dear Lord and Will Thy Pardoning Love Embrace a Wretch So Vile. The following extract is from Lydia and Philip by William Hawkins. On arrival at the river, some twelve or fourteen hundred persons had assembled, and just then, as the old church clock was striking eight, their usual time for baptizing, the pastor, attired in a black gown for the occasion, was seen coming under the old archway, having on his right hand one of the deacons, and on his left Mr. T, clad in a black gown too, for the purpose of walking into the water to remove any stones that may have been thrown in, to ascertain the depth, and also to render any assistance needed. After these followed fourteen couples, one of each being a candidate attired in a light-coloured woollen dress, if a female, 
and her friend attending with her, the male candidates being clothed in black dresses, each accompanied by a friend to wait on him. In this order they slowly approached the river bank, when the worship began with a hymn of praise, and an address and prayer, another hymn was sung, containing the following words, Hast thou the cross for me endured, and all its shame despised? And shall I be ashamed, O Lord, with thee to be baptized? Didst thou the great example lead in Jordan's swelling flood? And shall my pride disdain to the deed that's worthy of my God? Dear Lord, the ardor of thy love reproves my cold delays, and now my willing footsteps move in thy delightful ways. On the singing ceasing, the pastor took one of the candidates by the hand and said, Let us go down into the water together, my brother, in honor of the Lord, who died to save, the agonies of whose death was a saving baptism for us. If thou believest with all thine heart thou mayest, saith the sacred word, and this qualification thou hast manifested to the satisfaction of many, I therefore baptize thee, immerse thee, bury thee in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. So saying, he gently put him under the water for an instant, and in that instant the singers sang, Hinder me not, ye much-loved saints, for I must go with you. Now we move to the singing of Hark the Herald, Angels Sing.
to our Bible passage on the message today of the Savior's birth, Luke chapter 2, verse 7. And she, that is Mary, brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph the babe lying in the manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which told them concerning this child. Stay tuned now as we come to our message from our pulpit on the shepherd's preaching. We're turning back to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to look at this message that came to the shepherds and what they did with it. That's really the thing we want to look at today. What these shepherds did with the news that the Savior was born, and when they went to visit uh, the stable and found things, as was said, they would find a child in a manger in swaddling clothes. We're told in verse 17, when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. Of late, I've been reading a few books about preaching. You're probably saying that's a good thing because every preacher needs help uh, when it comes to preaching the Word. We can always do with all the help that we can get in making known the Word of the Lord. Now, if you want to borrow one of those books, I'll be glad, glad to lend it to you, because you never know, God might call you to preach His Word. And I'm thinking of that because these shepherds, they were the most unlikely candidates to become preachers of the glorious gospel. These were shepherds, hillmen, busy about their agricultural tasks. And yet suddenly and wonderfully there was thrust upon them the urge, the sense of duty and calling to make known the news that the Lord Jesus was born. I hope that you can do that this Christmas. You may not want to come up and preach here in this pulpit, and others may not want you to come up either, but you can preach in many locations, and there's many ways of spreading, shedding, spreading the news that there is a Savior that has been born, 
especially if he's been born into your hearts. But as a way of introduction today, I want you to note here what these shepherds did not preach. And that's a good thing, because there's an awful lot of rubbish that's preached in pulpits. A lot of things that really have no relevancy whatsoever. I want you to notice that their message was not about the angels. Now, they did see angels. They had an amazing experience with angels, but that was not the subject of their sermon. They didn't preach about these strange creatures made visible and manifesting themselves to them there. No, there's a lot of people, and it seems to be their Christianity is all about angels. That's tragic. Another thing is that they didn't preach about sheep. Now, they knew sheep inside out. They knew all about sheep and their nature and their ways and their character and their tendencies, but not a word about sheep. Nor did they preach about the great light which they saw, and that would be a phenomenon in itself, this wonderful light that shone around, but not a word about the light. Nor did they speak about their journey from the hillside where they were keeping sheep to the town and back again, not a word. You know how people love to talk about travel, the experiences, the people they meet, and the things that they can overcome, but not a word about their travels, not a word about their journey or their experiences there, nor did they give their own account of things. Because if you look at verse 17 very carefully, it says, when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying, the saying. You see, they didn't make up their own sermon. No preacher should. I'm not here today to give you my own opinions or something I think you should know. I'm here to preach what God has said in his word. That's what preachers are to do. And it was all concerning this child. Did you see that at the end of verse 17? Now, if you don't see that, the sermon will not work for you today. I want you to read that. In Luke chapter 2, verse 17, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And now we can begin in the school of preaching this morning. Now we've got a, a starting point. Now, I'm sorry if you feel that you're disappointed that we're taking shepherds as our professors in the school of preaching. That would seem to be very humbling. But let me tell you, these shepherds got it right, and they did it well. And we want to follow their example. And we are to see here that we are to preach the names and the nature of the child. Oh, that becomes a big part of our message. We are told in verse 11, this is all part of the saying, and we're going now to verse 11 to exactly what the angels said to these shepherds. They said, verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And there you have the names that are given to this child. Now, the essence of this message was that he was the Savior, the Savior the one that you need to save your soul, the one you need to bring you out of the broad road to destruction, to bring you into the narrow way that leads to life. Now, God obviously knows that you need a Savior, 
And the Lord Jesus, the wisdom of God, or the word as we learn today, he understands that you need a savior because he came to save your soul. He came to be the savior of the world. Now, savior means deliverer. What is it that you need to be delivered from? Debts, a bad bank account, a bad reputation, delivered from the mockery of men. No, there's something much, much more serious than this. It's a little three-letter three -letter word, sin, because our Lord came to be the Savior of sinners. Now, he's given the name Jesus, for he would save his people from their sins. Do you use that name? Do you use that name in prayer? I'm not sure if you pray morning or evening, but if you're never using that name, Jesus, in prayer, you're still in your sins. You've never known the mercy of God. You've never known deliverance. You're still on the broad way. Now, also in this, there is the name Christ, which means anointed one or the sent one. And this is something this, the, the shepherds needed to preach. God has sent a Savior. We can't make up our own Savior. And this is where Christianity becomes exclusive. This is where we come into our own. Our Savior is unique. There is none other. This is the sent one. He has been appointed, anointed by the Father to this very work. And that text, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only, now note that, only, only, his only begotten son. There's not another. He is the only Savior. Then he's Lord. You'll notice that. In the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. That means preeminent one. In the Greek, New Testament, the word Lord was the equivalent for the, the Old Testament, Jehovah. He is known in Isaiah, revealed there in Isaiah 9, 6, as the Almighty, the El Gabor, the Almighty God. And that's the Savior you need. Let me tell you, because of your sin, and because you have offended a holy God, and because you're on the road to destruction, you do not need a small Savior. You do not need a small Savior. You need an almighty Savior. One who can smash down every blockade, every barricade on the road to heaven and open up a way of life for your soul. And our Lord Jesus is called here Lord. He has all the attributes and all the perfections uh, of, of the Trinity. So we are to preach these truths. This is what these shepherds were to preach. And they made known this abroad. They just didn't go and say, there's a nice little baby born in a manger in a stable. They didn't stop there. They preached his names. They preached his almighty power to save. And that's the call of the preacher today. And I would be feeling you I'd be failing you to let this Christmas go by without telling you about the power of our Lord Jesus to save your soul. I would be failing you in many ways. And those, they need to know about this Lord Jesus. To many people, he's just a name, just a man, just a, 
A myth, perhaps. Well, the Bible tells us that this is eternal life, to know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Now, there's a world of difference between knowing and knowing about. It's about, it's like a little dot on the map. And you know, sometimes, have you ever gone on Google Earth and you've, and you've uh, zoomed in right on a spot, and it's a little place on the map? And then you go for a drive someday and you drive by that location. I did that thing exactly just a few weeks ago, a month ago, when I was going to that funeral in Okotoks. And uh, to make sure that I didn't waste time because I was short enough of time uh, to make it there and to travel over in the morning and getting out from Calgary to Okotoks, I was wanting to make sure I could get there first time. And so I had the map and a little marker on it and lo and behold, that day we drove right by. We drove right by. And that's the difference about knowing and knowing about. And there are many people on this Christmas season, when it comes to the real person of the Son of God, they'll just go right by. They know about him, but they don't know him. And you're in danger of doing that. And I have to do what these shepherds did. I have to make sure that you truly know the Savior. So they preached his names, they preached his nature, and you'll note in verse 18, and all they that heard it wondered at those things which they were told them by the shepherds. I want you to be thinking today. I want you to be thinking. I want you to come and put your trust and put your hope and confidence in the Lord Jesus. So they preached his names and his nature. They also think we're to preach his birthplace in the city of David. That was an important part of the saying that was given back there in verse 11, for unto you was born this day in the city of David. Now that's important because according to the purposes and the prophecies of God, he could be born nowhere else. Think on this, the world's a big place. There are many cities, many towns, many corners of the globe. But there was only one place that the child, the Savior, could be born, and it was Bethlehem. Now, this is the, the case because he was the son of David, and David was the man of Bethlehem. That's where he was born, and that's where he grew up. And that's where he was associated, David of Bethlehem. And the greater David of whom King David typified would be born here as well. And the Old Testament prophets, especially Micah, he prophesied that in Bethlehem of Ephrata he shall be born. It was the only tribe, the only city. And so this is where every Bible student would look. Where will he be born? Do you remember how the Magi came into the city of Jerusalem when they were following the star and the star disappeared for a time? And they asked the question, where is he that is to be born? And Herod wanted to know too. And he got all the scribes and all the rabbis of the Old Testament prophecies. And they came to the definite, absolute conviction that he would be born in Bethlehem. And off the Magi went to look for the Christ child in Bethlehem because he had to be born right there. Now, 
Bethlehem is an important place because it is, it means the house of bread. Our Lord Jesus came to be the bread of life, to feed the hungry souls of men. And I'm looking at the faces of many people here today, and you have eaten the bread of life. I can see the spiritual satisfaction that has filled your heart and life by believing on this Savior. He fills your heart, your life, your soul with manna from heaven. He is the bread of life that satisfies the soul. And you can testify today that every other is just a broken cistern. You've tried the world, you've tried money, you've tried materialism, you've tried popularity. They are broken cisterns that don't satisfy your soul. But the Lord Jesus does. And just as he fed the 5,000 in the miracle of taking a little lunch and distributing that food to those, that vast multitude, there are countless thousands in the world today and to them the Lord Jesus is the bread of life. He had to be born in Bethlehem, in the city of David. In Bethlehem upon that morn There was a blessed Messiah born is Pastor Ian Golliher. Call me, please, at 604-897-2040. For all the details of our broadcasts across Canada, go to ltbs.ca. This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 18790 58th Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. Our website is cloverdealfpc.ca and there you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons, a gospel booklet called A New Beginning and a link to watch our services online. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30am and 6pm to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of His precious Word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer every Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day at 9.30 a.m. from September to June. You can contact us at 604-567-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please visit our website at cloverdealfpc.com.
www.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca